0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher Sean Callahan. And welcome
1: here to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, we are on the road, so we'll have no Robin Washett this week, uh, no David Eichold as. Uh, we are making our way on the road, wrapping up this satellite camp tour. And uh, for Nate, it started last week on Saturday um, and Friday down in St. Louis at Lindenwood. And then we were in Atlanta on Wednesday as Nebraska was at Kennesaw State. They had close to 1,200-plus kids or more there. Um, and Nebraska had four coaches at that event. And then on Thursday, we wrapped things up in Miami as Nebraska was at Florida Atlantic and Florida International. So this will be a special Uh, recruiting edition. It is recruiting season. We are in camp month right now for Nebraska as the Huskers held two individual camps on campus um, for high school prospects both on Wednesday and Thursday on top of the satellite camp. So we've learned a lot. We have spent a lot of time with the coaches. In fact, uh, we're going to hear from Eric Shenander, Javon DeWitt, and Travis Fisher on the show here today as I sat down and talked to each one of those coaches one-on-one on on the road here. But uh, let's first get uh, to the news, Nate, Uh, the the commits for Nebraska. We taped last Thursday's show, and, man, they are not slowing down. I mean, I think there was this fear that, God, things have kind of hit a wall. Nebraska's not really getting any recruits. They have one of the fewest commit totals in the Big Ten. And then before you know it, four or five guys jump on the boat after we taped our show last Thursday. Yeah, it's been pretty wild. Uh, I mean, following spring football and, and Coach Frost's comments
2: about <clears throat> them kind of wanting to to take things slower and that they're not going to fill up fast and they want to wait until the fall. I mean, I think a lot of people kind of nervous about some of those comments. And, and then all of a sudden, June comes around and and they are reeling in uh, commitments left and right and, and adding – some some other additions to the to the roster immediately. I mean, this has been a really really busy first week, uh, you know, on the recruiting front, or, or and as far as roster additions go. But uh, I mean, extremely productive when you look at who they've picked up um, and, and the positions that they've gotten these guys at. And I think you have to start with Luke McCaffrey. I mean, anytime you get a quarterback. Uh, commit, I mean, that's that's generally, you know, the key piece in your class or, or one of the key pieces in your classes. Uh, and I think to get a guy like Luke McCaffrey, uh, not only does he fit the system, you know, athletically, I think he fits the scheme extremely well. But he's a well-known name. He's a kid in the state of Colorado, uh, which is a place that, that they've you know really tried to make a push in. Uh, Barrett Rood's done a great job recruiting guys in there, and, and they've offered, uh, I think, nine guys between 2019, 2020 in that state. So uh, I think when you can add a guy like that, that's uh, that's a pretty
1: big deal. Then you look uh, down the line, uh, you mentioned quarterback Luca McCaffrey, but um, I think arguably the highest-ranked recruit Nebraska got this week was Rivals 250 linebacker Jackson Hanna from Nash- Nashville. And um, he pretty much said to some media outlets he took a visit to Lincoln um, just for kicks and giggles, not even really expecting to consider Nebraska. And not only was he blown away, he was so blown away and moved, the next thing you know, he told Barrett Roode, he told Scott Frost, I want to be a Husker.
2: Yeah, that that was uh, it was an interesting development because <clears throat> when you look at, at his uh, his offer list, I mean, it's primarily SEC schools. He he has Alabama, he has LSU. I mean, he's he's got pretty much every SEC school except for Georgia. Um, I mean, there's a, there's definitely an SEC flavor, a, a South flavor with all of his offers, and so uh, Nebraska was kind of that one program that that he was interested in, but it didn't, I guess it didn't really, you know, fit the, the narrative, I guess, uh, when you look, compared Nebraska to all the other offers that he had. But uh, that they knocked that visit out of the park uh, I spoke with. With Jackson and his father, and they just said, it, from the moment that they stepped on campus, it was just a different feel. And the people at Nebraska made a huge impact on them. I mean, uh, you know, everyone's got nice facilities, everyone has all these bells and whistles, but it's it's really a lot of times it, it comes down to the people that you're around, and, and whether it's the football coaches, the support staff, you know, the, the guys the guys in the academic department, even you know, athletic trainers. I mean, everyone made an impact on on Jackson Hannah and his father and um, he goes ahead and pulls the trigger and I think he's a tremendous fit. He reminds me of you know of, of uh, a handful of other linebackers that Barrett Rudes uh, recruiting, they all kind of seem to have the same traits. They're smart football players, uh, you know, physical guys play with great technique, uh, and that's exactly what Jackson Hanna does. And and like I said, he's a rivals 250 guy. Really, uh, really nice pickup out of SEC country.
1: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus. We are in Fort Lauderdale um, here taping the show as. Uh, We have a wrap now on this satellite camp tour, and we're going to hear more from the Husker coaches and delve more into the camp itself, but still more names um, to to cover and talk about, Nate. Uh, You know, Desmond Bland, an offensive lineman uh, that commits to Nebraska um, as well and then you know he, he's a junior college guy from Arizona Western he's their third player but um, another junior college guy they added late as well for this um, upcoming season that's a junior that will be immediately eligible to play. He's here right now will Jackson um, so Nebraska continues to add on the junior college ranks when you count will Jackson I believe that's six guys now for last year's class yep. um, and, and you know they've really done a good job of, of kind of turning the roster I mean they, they've had Eight scholarship players. When you go back to Zach Darlington's departure in March, they were at ninety scholarships if you count Noah Vedrel. They got down to seventy-two. Um, now they're all of a sudden back up to that 85
0: number.
2: Yeah, uh a really nice additions there on the JUCO ranks. And I mean that's what Nebraska should be doing. Uh, you know, the 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 kind of the the hiatus they took from recruiting the JUCO ranks, I think it was was a bad move. Um I like that, that they're being you know fairly aggressive on that front, but not just taking guys to take guys either. They're, they're taking quality players. Um, I, I like the Jack, the Will Jackson addition. You know, anytime that you can pick up a six three corner uh, that's physical uh, that that has put up good numbers, that was an SEC bounce back. Um, You know, and that's going to be eligible for you immediately at a a position that's arguably the thinnest on the entire team. I think that's a great addition. Um, And I'm a huge Desmond Bland fan. Uh, I mean, dating back all the way to when he was a sophomore in high school. You know, he visited Nebraska for one of their first ever Big Red weekends uh, back in 2004 under Bo Pelini's staff. Uh, John Garrison, oddly enough, who we ran into and, and talked at, at the Florida Atlantic camp and at the Kennesaw State camp here in, in, uh, on the satellite camp tour, he was the one who was recruiting Desmond Bland for Nebraska all the way back in the day, and uh, things kind of came full circle there. You know, he went to Arizona Western after he didn't qualify academically and, and was a, a junior college. He spent three years
1: there, right? Uh, yeah, three seasons. Well, this will be his third, but he redshirted one of the three. <laughs>
2: yep. Um, and uh, you know he was a he was a freshman and all or he was an All American as a freshman there, uh, and I th- and I have no reason to, to believe that he won't be in another All American uh, this this coming season. So um, what's what's interesting about him is he I mean I think he could. Probably play any position uh, along the line. Uh, you know, there's a good good chance that he'll play the center position. You know, after this season, play guard. you play tackle. But yeah, he could honestly. He could. He's athletic enough that he could play anywhere up front. Uh, and he's fun to watch. If you haven't watched this film, I uh, urge you to go do it because there's there's a lot of guys on their backs. He's he's he plays with a little bit of an edge, which I think will be fun uh, once he gets to Lincoln too.
1: And then the last guy we haven't even hit on that's been added in the last week. Uh, Utah graduate transfer, Vaha Vanuku, but not your typical um, deal here. I mean, this is a guy that waited a year and then took his Mormon mission when he was 19, Um, and and then he, after he took the mission, enrolled to Utah, played two seasons there, redshirted one, played another, um, but had a foot injury. And then before the start of his third year there um, this past season, um, he was, uh, he medically retired from football and then now he graduated because, I mean, he is 20, what, 25? He's 24,
2: 25.
1: And then he'll have two more years of eligibility um, remaining to play at Nebraska. And because he's been medically cleared by Nebraska's doctors, he can leave his medical retirement as long as it's not at Utah. It's a thing that we've never really dealt with. I mean, you got a, a Mormon mission guy. That medically retired, that's a grad transfer. I mean, that's a mouthful <laughs> yeah. when you're trying to, like, explain that just to the average Joe fan that just says, I want to go to the game and sit in South Stadium. I don't <laughs> want to know all this stuff. But you know all that stuff. It, there's so much to that story. But he could end up being pretty good. Yeah, he could, really could. He was the strongest player on Utah's
2: football State team. State champ in the shot. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a big addition. Um, and what's interesting is that, you know, he's he's – kind of cut out of that mold of a Carlos or Khalil Davis where I think he could play anywhere up front whether it's at the nose tackle position or or at defensive end you know kind of lining up as a five technique so uh, but he's a big powerful guy obviously very mature at 24 25 years old Um, and this is I think just another a great example of Nebraska being uh, being aggressive and, and always trying to trying to see how they can improve their roster. I mean, they, they kind of – they were uncovered
1: the you – know. Eric Shenander made the rounds. Yeah. I mean, Eric Shenander's been everywhere. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he was really in Utah, is. he was in Alabama, Iowa. He's been in Hawaii, he's been in Arizona. He's been – he really has been
2: everywhere during the spring evaluation period. And, and this is, like I said, a great example of them kind of using their connections and, and, and really just trying to trying to find out any
1: any type of angle they can to, to help improve this roster immediately. So you look at the numbers now, they're at 85, and you know they, they were well over, then they got under, now they're back to 85. So um, it, it's very interesting just watching the quote-unquote roster management as somebody from Nebraska used the words to us. And uh, they are on roster management meetings all the time, and I think there's more guys that have left that they just haven't announced. So um, you know, they're still in the market. Nick Watkins, um, I, you know, the graduate transfer from Notre Dame, never ended up visiting Nebraska, and you know, spending enough time here on the road. We got a pretty good read that, you know, Nebraska just kind of went their own way. It just wasn't going to work with Nick Watkins. Um, you know, I, I think he wanted to go through a recruiting process a little bit and be wined and dined, and they never could really get him settled in on a visit to Lincoln. And uh, I think if he would have came for a visit in May, um, he's probably got a pretty good chance to be here. But um, here we are. Over a weekend now, to the the first you know group of classes at Nebraska, and he's going to Houston. Uh, still, some other movement out there though. Nate, maybe another grad transfer or two.
2: Yeah, I think there there are a couple of names that are still floating around out there. Um, and, and like like I mentioned, I think that the one thing that we know for sure is that this staff is is. They're going to work every angle they can and, and try to try to uncover some guys. If they can find somebody that will help this team immediately uh, or help improve the roster, I think that they're definitely going to be doing that. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how these next you know six to seven weeks kind of play out before Big
1: Ten media days and, and uh, obviously fall camp. Yeah, Cameron Jeffries would be the other name to watch. Um, he told the News Herald in Ohio. He's a Bowling Green grad transfer. That he's down to Cincinnati and Nebraska. He has not visited Nebraska. Um, I spoke with the sports editor um, on Friday morning, Mark uh, Politsky from the News Herald, and he thinks probably Cincinnati is where Jeffries ends up. Um, but he's been on record saying Nebraska was in the mix, um, so still not done. But um, you know, probably not going to come to Nebraska at this point. But yeah, the, it's going to keep moving, and uh, we're going to keep moving. We got a busy show on tap here. Um, you're going to hear from three of the Husker assistant coaches in our next three segments. Uh, we're going to start out with outside linebackers coach Javon DeWitt. Had a wonderful conversation with him. We talked about being back in Miami um, as well as um, just some of the current players on the roster. Breon Dixon, Caleb Tanner, um, the great spring of Tyron Ferguson. So all of that's next. You'll hear from Eric Schnander and Eric Fisher as well. Uh, Travis Fisher, as well, here uh, throughout the show. Then Nate and I will give some final thoughts on what we saw in Atlanta and Miami. That is all next on this week's edition of the Husker Online Show.
0: This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, I'm here in Fort Lauderdale on this special Satellite Camp edition of the HOL Show. We've been on the road all week with Nebraska's coaching staff in both Atlanta and Miami. Nate Klaus was even in St. Louis um, for the satellite camp at Lindenwood on Saturday. And One of the fun things about these trips is you get to spend a lot of time uh, with Nebraska's coaches at the different camps. And uh, we had a chance to catch up with several of them as they joined us this week on the Husker Online Show. And uh, first guy we talked to was outside linebackers coach, Javon DeWitt. Sean Callahan here. We're in Boca Raton at the Florida Atlantic Satellite Camp. And it's kind of a second home for you with uh, lineback- outside linebackers coach, Javon DeWitt from Nebraska. Uh, you still have a home in this area. You spent some time working here at Florida Atlantic. It's gotta be fun to get back out here.
3: Yeah, it's really cool to get back down the side for you know like you said I have a house down the street a little bit a couple miles down the road and for me to be able to come back down this way and help coach at some some places it's been really fun it's been awesome
1: yeah when you, when you look at just the talent in this area um, you, you know the lay of the land here. I mean, what, what kind of kids have you seen just over the course of the year? I mean, just when you speak broadly about uh, the type of kids you guys at Nebraska are looking for in this part of the country. Yeah,
3: you know what I think you get, I mean, there's a reason why every major school and every every school really, not even just major school, every school in the country comes here to recruit is because of the type of the kids that you get. And there's a culture that just starts down here from a very early age where, you know, football is important, it's really important. I mean, you can go to like any park in Broward County uh, at any given point on the weekend, there's gonna be 150 kids out there playing one-on-one and seven-on-seven. You could see eighth graders out there lining up with NFL guys. So it's really kind of, the culture just breeds the mentality that you really want and toughness and and hard-nosed kids.
1: When you know you got what you guys did at Central Florida, that obviously earned you a lot of respect and credibility around the state. When you go around and recruit now, I mean, how much do people still talk to you guys about uh, the magical year you guys had? Uh, quite a bit, actually.
3: It's pretty cool because obviously a lot of the kids that we had over there were from South Florida, uh, even more so after we got there. So. Um, a lot of those guys were really appreciative of the way we handled our business with our guys, you know. And for us, as much as it was about you know congratulating us on the season that we had, which was really fun and special, it was really kind of how. We built a relationship with our players and our guys, and they know that when you know those guys come and play for us, that they're going to be part of the family. So that that's really kind of what we've gotten a lot of.
1: And even a former UCF guy is now the running backs coach here at FAU, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. Kay Smith. Yeah, he's down here. He's doing a great job, and I know he's got the same mentality. And you know, he's from down in Miami, so it's really fun for him to be back down this way for sure.
1: You got a couple Nebraska tie guys here, Lane Kiffin, Monty Kiffin. Did you get a chance to visit with any of the Kiffins? You know, I did. I was
3: I was hanging out with uh, with Coach Kiffin, Monty, uh, before camp started, and got to just you know, glean a little bit of knowledge from him and his time in Nebraska and he actually his son uh, Lane just brought him a book earlier uh, about Bob DeVaney so it was pretty cool to see and we got to talk and, and some of his old haunts that he used to hang out at so it was pretty cool
1: Now when you um, when you look at your team now the guys you have at outside linebacker what's the biggest thing you're looking for going forward as you start to kind of build for the future at that position you know
3: one of the things that we, you know one of the things that's going to be paramount for us is having some guys that can really rush and get after the quarterback I think that's kind of been, uh, as you go back and you start to analyze and look at some of the numbers over the last few years, that's probably the one glaring thing that sticks out is being able to disrupt the quarterback's launch point or get sacks and do things in the, in the pass rush world. So we're really starting to look, and we've gotten some guys we feel pretty comfortable with in space and playing in coverage. Now we really want to start to develop the pass rush aspect of our particular outside backer.
1: Yeah, Breon Dixon was cleared yeah. academically or el- eligibility wise by NCAA. Yep. Uh, how big was that in the grand scheme of what you want to do with the number of guys you want to play at outside? Yeah. I think it's
3: huge for us. I think obviously the first thing that it does is it creates a little bit more depth, more options for us, allows our defense to be a little bit more multiple than maybe we would have been if we wasn't eligible. Uh, so we're really excited about what he can do. Not you know, he's not, no, he's a smaller guy. But it's not like he can't rush the quarterback as well. You know, he does some really good things with his hips and his feet that he allows him to get underneath some tackles and be able to get disrupt some of the launch points of the quarterback. So it's been pretty good for us.
1: Tyron Ferguson was another guy you mentioned yeah. had a good spring. Right. What did you like about his spring?
3: You know, he just attacks practice every single day and every single rep. So it, it's very similar to what we had with Griff over at UCF uh, in terms of his mentality at practice. You know, it's 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 always good for me when I have to say whoa, not him up. And so Fergus is one of those guys, hopefully I'll have to say well a couple more times, but he's done a great job. He really attacks sprint really well.
1: And Luke Gifford's trying to get back, but what do yeah. you like about
3: him? Uh, Obviously, the only thing I've really been able to judge with Luke is his mental capacity um, because he was so limited during the spring, so it wouldn't have been fair for me to really evaluate him. But he's got such a good head on his shoulders for the game, and I'm going to be really excited to get a chance when he's able to go full tilt, be able to coach him up a little bit. I think for him, it's just going to be about getting the actual physical reps and getting his body conditioned. And you know, I expressed to him throughout the course of the spring how important it's going to be for him to get physically ready to play. I'm not worried about the mental aspect, but I want to make sure that he's physically ready to go and not put him in harm's way. Uh, you know, risking a, taking a chance at an injury when, you know, he's got to sit off for such a long period of time.
1: Caleb Tanner got to campus. Yeah. How excited are you extremely, for Sam? Extremely. Extremely excited. Long, lean
3: kid. Um, you know, he obviously hasn't been out of that developed in the weight room quite yet, but you can already tell that he's got the physical stature and the gifts that you really want. To
1: and uh, lastly, South Florida, you said Cuban food. Give me your best Cuban restaurant around here.
3: Uh, La Careta down in, Ka- in Calle Ocho. Best place ever.
1: All right, we're going to try to hit that up. Thanks, coach. Absolutely. No problem. Talk to you later. And thanks again to outside linebackers coach, special teams coordinator, Javon DeWitt, as he shared a lot of interesting things there about some of Nebraska's current players and also just kind of his success down in the state of Florida. And, and we'll stick on that subject when we come back as Travis Fisher, who handles uh, Miami primarily, the uh, South Florida part here for Nebraska. We caught up with him as well, as we'll hear from Nebraska's DB's coach, Travis Fisher, next on the Husker Online Show. Go.
0: You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: And we're back here on the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan on the special Satellite Camp Tour edition. We are in Fort Lauderdale putting a wrap on Nebraska's Adidas Satellite Camp Tour. And you just heard from outside linebackers coach Javon DeWitt. And now we had a chance to catch up with Nebraska's secondary coach. Uh, We heard from Travis Fisher as uh, he recruits primarily the Miami area for the Huskers, but he talked about a lot of things, including um, the importance of places like St. Louis going forward. Here's my full conversation with Travis Fisher. Sean Callahan here. We're in uh, Boca Return, Florida, at the uh, Florida Atlantic Adidas Satellite Camp, Nebraska. Secondary coach Travis Fisher joining us here. First of all, it's got to be fun for you to be back in Florida. seeing a lot of guys you know. This is kind of your stomping grounds.
4: Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. It's good to be back. Um, Obviously, a lot of these kids around here, we've been knowing a lot of them since they were freshmen. Um, you know, Even some of them, may eighth grade, middle school. But it's good to be back around these kids and get the recruitment. When
1: you just look at this pure DB talent, is there a better area in the country
4: than the Miami, Florida area? Uh, I, 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 I don't want to say it's not a better place, but Miami, Florida is, is very, it's the hotbed. Um, and recruiting, and I think it's very important that we stay down there, number one, and that we do a good job down there. And still, and you know, we have a great relationship with the coaches, the high school coaches down there in Miami. Um, obviously, it's plenty kids, the 2020 class, 2021 class, it's loaded.
1: Yeah, for you guys, just being at FAU, FIU all day here, with you know, you're going to get a chance to see potentially 2,000 kids. How beneficial is that to see that many kids? Knowing it's pretty hard to get a lot of these kids even to get to a camp outside of Miami.
4: Well, uh, we've been having doing we want some satellite camps and um, you know we did a couple at Lindenwood and then, and then moved on down to Georgia, Kennesaw State. There's some bunch of kids um, in those areas too. Um, obviously the ones down here, um, the one we're at right now in the FAU camp and FAU camp I mean, later on today. It's very important that we get down here. It's a lot of speed down here lot of uh, skilled position kids down here, and then we did saw uh, we did see a couple of kids down here uh, today. Um, great times. Yeah, I want
1: to ask you about you mentioned Lindenwood. St. Louis is kind of an area that you've really gotten involved in as well. Um, how big is it for Nebraska to to kind of beat that door down and get into St. Louis and try to get some of those top kids?
4: Yeah, when we were recruiting, I always say when we were recruiting, when we were uh, coaching over, you know, over at UCF, it was very important that we made Miami, Florida. Um, Hot, you know, where we want to lay our, our, our nest in and, and recruit big time, and I think being in Nebraska in the Midwest, I think St. Louis is that area. That's your Miami. Yeah, that's that's your, that's our Miami, and I think it's very important that those that we get those mid, those kids out of the St. Louis area, because be honest with you, that area is kind of no one no, no one owns it. No one owns it, and, and I think it's very important that Nebraska, um, you know, its logo a lot so you guys and uh, yourself troy walters
1: i mean greg austin a number of you guys seem like you're involved down there
4: yeah yeah all of us all of us have, have a little snippet down there and um, doing a good job with the coaches and getting back familiar with showing the faces that um, you know we used to see in st louis i wanted
1: to ask you too about your run at central florida just being back around here how much do people still talk to you about what you guys did and how much credibility is that give this staff when they come back in the state?
4: Well these kids know us, these kids know us down here, and they want to be a part of that this deal at UCF. Mostly all of these kids um, came to our camps um, over a couple, of, uh, a couple of years, so they know our whole staff. When they see us, they come running up, they know us, so it's, it's very important, and I'm glad that we have that relationship with these kids down here.
1: I gotta ask you a little bit about the, the current guys on the Husker roster. Um, you guys are obviously still looking, maybe at some different late additions for the roster. Uh, kind of, what's your thought process on the type of guys if you add more players that you want to add to this team?
4: Well, we want to we want to add we want to add um, um, skill, uh, especially in the back end, the secondary. Um, I speak from my position. Uh, we really want to get uh, some guys that can really play, move around, the tough guys, guys that love football. And I think that's very important whether they come from Florida or whether they come from anywhere in the country. Those guys are going to be able to love. They're going to love football. Um, They're going to be tough. Well,
1: Coach, it's good seeing you down here in Miami, and I'm sure we'll see you back in Lincoln. Appreciate it. Thank you. And thanks again to secondary coach Travis Fisher as we caught up with him in Miami. It was a busy, busy week for him as the Huskers made multiple offers in both Atlanta and in miami at the different satellite camp events and um, it's always going to be a heavy heavy area with defensive back talent as Fisher continues to add he's added a a grad transfer excuse me he's added a junior college transfer here just recently and you know still in the market maybe for another body um, if it all works out but uh, that will be something if it develops um, you know he's gonna have to have somebody come on campus and visit uh, but they are still in the market no question for more players potentially in the secondary all right when we come back we're gonna catch up with defensive coordinator Eric Shenander. He was also out here in the Miami and Atlanta areas the last couple of days, and we caught up with Shenander, and you'll hear from him next. You're listening to the Husker
0: Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here
1: to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan as um, we continue this special satellite camp tour edition of the program. We're in Fort Lauderdale um, as we're getting ready to leave town on Friday morning, uh, just putting a wrap on this satellite camp tour. And um, you just heard from Travis Fisher, outside linebackers coach Javon DeWitt. Um, we also had a chance to, to talk with Nebraska's defensive coordinator, Eric Shenander, who who's been busy on the recruiting trail. He's been all over the country. He's been to Hawaii. He's been to Alabama. He's been to Iowa. He's been um, everywhere imaginable as it's been a very busy month of May for Nebraska's new defensive coordinator who um, talked about a lot of things, uh, including this satellite camp tour and then uh, kind of his plans for recruiting even in places like Iowa. Sean Callahan here in Boca Raton at the Florida Atlantic Satellite Camp. We're joined by Nebraska defensive coordinator Eric Shenander. Coach, it's got to be fun being back here in Florida. You guys, the last two years, have just established some credibility in the state. Uh, what's it like kind of getting back down here?
5: Well, it's good seeing a lot of these kids that we recruited um, when we were at UCF. And now, obviously, since we're at Nebraska, there's a big time interest from all these kids and coaches and they want to know what it's like up there and we're telling them how great of a place it is
2: and
1: we just got to get them up there to see it in person, but it's, it's great being back here. As the defensive coordinator at an event like this, what are you looking at? I mean, are you looking all defensive guys or do you even kind of tip your toe on the offensive side a little bit since you only have four coaches down here? No, we're, we're helping each other out. I think
5: everybody's splitting up. Um, I went and looked at some O&D linemen since the O&D line coaches are, are back on campus and the skill guys were watching. And then this second uh, session, I'll be looking at some receivers and DBs also.
1: So, Just the talent down here in general. Speak to the level. When you go around the country, how, how does South Florida, this area, stack up to all the other places you go?
5: Well, I think there's there's certainly a, a few hotbeds in the country right now, and South Florida is as good as any of them, I think. And. Um, I really enjoy the kids down here. They love football, they love playing the game, and they they do it the right way. So I think
1: the talent's good and the attitude's good down here. When you look at getting Florida kids to Nebraska, what's a realistic number of guys per year you can kind of shoot for uh, to get up in in a class? Uh, I think any time you go that far away from home, it just has to be the right kid.
5: Uh, so I don't think you put a number on it, but as long as they're the right kids, you can take as many as you want from anywhere.
1: If it's if it's ten from from Florida, great. If it's two from Florida, great. Um, we just have to make sure they're the right kid for Nebraska. How much do people still ask you about your team last year, even down here now? Uh, just what you guys did, and how much does that get kids' attention to say, you know what? I want to maybe check out Nebraska because of what happened at UCF.
5: Well, I think a lot of these kids were around since it was so easy to get on our campus, but the coaches and the kids all know the staff. And that's the most important thing. They're like, "Coach, I loved your staff at UCF. Now I want to see what you're going to do at Nebraska." Uh, so the connections are big and it's just
1: big being around these guys again. I got to ask you too about the state of Iowa. You're from Iowa, you played at Iowa. Uh, we've seen Nebraska. I know you can't talk about specific names, but we've seen Nebraska our kids report Iowa offers more than ever before. Uh, how big is that for you to try to to get Nebraska more into the state of Iowa. Oh, I think you know, like Coach Frost talks about when
5: when he was playing. I think you have to be able to get a couple of kids out of Iowa. You have to be able to get kids out of St. Louis, Missouri, Minnesota, the Dakotas. You have to be able to go in and get some of those guys. We're not going to take a million from
1: Iowa, but we're going to take the right ones, just like the right ones from down here. So I think it's a very important force. us. You're offering young guys. I mean, the 20s and the 21s. I mean. Uh, how do you, I mean just with your knowledge, how many advantages do you have just kind of maybe finding out about some of these kids? Uh, I think i got a big time advantage, uh, the coaches
5: know me, a lot of the, the players that we're recruiting right now, I know their parents, uh, so I, I think we have a, an advantage with these young kids coming in and I think you got to recruit these guys young, especially if you know
1: they're great players. You look at your defense now coming back, a lot of the newcomers have arrived on campus, uh, what excites you about maybe some of the new pieces that you'll be adding uh, to what you already have? Well
5: we've been out doing camps and stuff so I haven't seen those guys live yet, but I'm excited I'm excited about these young kids. I'm excited about some of the walk-on. Some of those guys look look tremendous. And I know a couple of them had a, a great Shrine Game, uh, but some of these newcomers are going to play for us, and we're going to play the best guys no matter what, always. But I mean, I'm excited about this this group.
1: You've added uh, a couple of transfer guys and whatnot. I mean, when you look to add guys like that, what exactly are you looking for? When maybe it's a one-year or two-year type situation. You know, sometimes
5: you're looking for everything. Sometimes
1: you're looking at improve group depth. Sometimes you need to fill a position
5: immediately. Sometimes you want help in the room to just give the maturity level up or or the attitude in the room. Sometimes you want to push the rest of the guys in the room make everybody else compete a little bit more because there's a new guy in town. But transfers are
1: important if, if you can find the right ones again. As uh, you look at just your defense overall, what do you like the most about kind of the what you have right now? Is there an overall strength in your eyes as you kind of sit here in June?
5: You know, I, I think what excites me most is what we haven't seen yet. We're, we're growing. The kids are growing up in the defense. We're growing. Uh, their attitude's getting getting better and better all the time. They're getting uh, more confident in the scheme and themselves. So I, I think I'm just excited about what we haven't seen yet.
1: Well, Coach, it was great seeing you here down in Florida.
5: Great to see you. Thank you.
1: And thanks again to Nebraska defensive coordinator Eric Shenander. As uh, it's always fun to catch up with Coach Shenander on the road here, as he's been a busy guy, not only over the month of May, but at these satellite camps, evaluating talent. Nebraska made several new offers here, um, a lot on the defensive side of the ball, and uh, Schnander's brought in a few new transfers as well. So um, he's been a very, very active guy uh, the last few weeks for the Huskers as they kind of get ready to close things out and move into August and fall camp. All right, when we come back, Nate Klaus will rejoin me here in Fort Lauderdale, and we'll put a wrap on camp season, the satellite camp tour, and everything we saw here in Atlanta, in Miami, and even St. Louis uh, over the last week. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show.
0: You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. You just heard from Javon DeWitt. Eric Shenander and secondary coach Travis Fisher as Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus are putting a wrap on things. Um, We're in Fort Lauderdale as Nebraska is concluding kind of their major run of satellite camps. They're going to still hit a few more uh, later in the month. They're going to be at the University of South Florida uh, in Tampa. Um, There's going to be another Adidas-sponsored event there. Um, But, you know, the the two main ones, Nate, and, and this is why we came um, on this tour are Atlanta and Miami. And Nebraska was very active. There's three camps that we covered. Kennesaw State and Atlanta, Florida Atlantic, and Boca Raton with Lane Kiffin hosting. And then um, you had the Florida International camp um, with Butch Davis running that event um, with his staff. Always uh, great to see old Butch and, and, old Butch. and get, to <laughs> get to see Coach Butch. But weather um, made things pretty interesting. I mean, we dealt with Probably five or six straight hours of rain in the afternoon. It rains almost every day here in the afternoon in Miami. but nonetheless, Nebraska was pretty productive on this trip. Uh, they identified a handful of new players. they made a handful of new offers, and that's really what it's all about. Yeah,
2: it's it's all about uh, you know, getting those new guys on your radar because you you obviously from from being out on the road during the spring, you're you're well aware of the guys that you like, the the players that you've offered. Um, usually you have some sort of rapport with those players already uh, through, you know, building that relationship with them. And, and so these satellite camps though are a great opportunity for, for maybe some of those kids that, that come from schools that you didn't get out to during the spring or or underclassmen that, that are still rising up through the ranks that, that maybe the coach didn't tell you about when you walk, went through the school and and I think that's where Nebraska really made a lot of headway this week when when uh, you're in Georgia and there's 1,500 or more kids there um, you know it, it, there's there's a lot of a lot of players out there uh, and I know each one of these camps uh, there's probably 30 to 40 guys. That, you know probably Nebraska probably circled or marked on their sheets and that they're look they're going to be you know having their their administrative staff in, in the recruiting office maybe do a little legwork and, and dig up a little information on these guys gather their film uh, probably have some meetings and, and watch a little bit more film on these players. Uh, but they're on the list now they're on the radar and they're going to probably start getting mail and, and kind of start, start that whole process. And that's what these camps are about. I mean, they're a great opportunity for these kids to to get out in front of a bunch of different coaches and obviously for the coaches to see uh, a bunch of these kids and (laughs) What I really enjoyed watching, especially in Georgia and Florida, uh, where these staffs are are fairly well connected, is is just you know how they operated. Um, you know how many high school coaches and players were coming up to the to the, to the Nebraska staff, and
1: they have what I call street credit down here.
2: <laughs> they they really do. Um, you know, in, in Georgia, it's it's definitely Sean Becton. I mean, that's. That's his area.
1: He he is very well connected, very well respected, and he's a Southern guy. He's not a northerner trying to recruit the South. I mean, he is a guy that coached high school football in North Florida, and he's one of them. So those coaches down there really respect him and 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 trust him.
2: Yeah, they really do. And and it was fun. It's just fun to watch those interactions because uh, there's a lot a lot of coaches and a lot of well established coaches. Uh, that you know would go up to Coach Becton, and, and they they were long friends. You know it was you know a big hug and an embrace and laughs and um, just a, you know that's, it was different than than what we've kind of seen in the past. And
1: you're doing yeah. a lot of introducing before, mm-hmm. but there's really no relationship.
2: Exactly, and and I think that that's the difference is um, you can recruit the South, uh, but in order to be productive, recruiting the South, especially if you're at a school like Nebraska. I mean, you have to be consistent with it. You can't just be a fly-by, drive-by recruiter. You you have to be consistent with it. You have to build those relationships with the coaches, with the kids. And, and I think that's that's going to be the difference, I think, with a lot of these coaches at, at Nebraska now in this area.
1: Well, even Javon DeWitt, his reputation, especially in this Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale area, Boca Raton, I mean, he still owns a home down here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean Becton still owns his home in Orlando. I mean, a lot of these coaches still consider – Florida a second home to the point probably when they recruit down here, they might stay at their other house. I mean, they they have just so many ties and connections, but Javon DeWitt, we heard some just wonderful stories from people about his recruiting prowess and just how well he recruits the Fort Lauderdale, Boca Raton Tone area. Yeah, he is everywhere when he comes down here. He
2: he knows how to get from from point A to point B in, in an efficient manner. Um, you know, we were at Florida International last night, and, and there was a, a gentleman there who, who helped kind of put on a, a spring jamboree where, you know, all these different schools have their spring games that started at 10 o'clock in the morning, and the last game started at eight o'clock at night. and. Uh, you know, it's a great idea to, to kind of have all these teams in one spot for the co- college coaches to evaluate the players and, um, you know, where they didn't have to drive all over the city to see all these games. Well, it was raining out. It was terrible weather. Uh, a lot of the coaches left pretty much right away. Uh, but this guy who was telling us the story, he said every time he'd look up into the stands where the college coaches were sitting, Javon DeWitt was there. Game after game, from 10 o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night, Javon DeWitt was in the stands. And he said that's why Nebraska's going to get players out of here. It's because of the dedication. Because those players noticed that there was a guy from Nebraska, Javon DeWitt, the guy that recruits all these schools, that's in these schools every winter, every spring. He was in those stands from start to finish, through the rain, scouting players all day
1: long. And that same guy, full disclosure, we talked to him last year and – he wasn't really that high on Nebraska's recruiting in South Florida and says they're they're not doing it at a high high enough level to get good players where he said this year to us it's totally different with guys like DeWitt and you know they they divide Florida up into four different coaches, no different than how they kind of did things at UCF.
2: Yeah, they, they really do. Um and, and it's it's all about those those types of connections and relationships, who has what area. Uh, Dewitt has that Fort Lauderdale area. Uh, Fisher's
1: South Florida, like Miami.
2: Yep, Fisher's the, the South uh, Miami area, and then you've got uh, you know, Barrett Road and Tampa. Obviously, he's he's well known there. Uh, Beckton
1: does Tallahassee, and then Orlando Jacksonville. And, and Jacksonville. Yep,
2: um, and so you know, I think when you when you split it up like that, and you, you're putting guys that they're they're familiar with their surroundings, they're well known in those areas. Um, and then of course the, the dedication and, uh, you know, the consistency, I think that's, that's the key. And, and that's why Nebraska is going to be successful in these areas.
1: I want to ask you about one of the comments that we just heard from Travis Fisher, uh, when, when he talked about recruiting, he said, when we were at UCF, Miami was the biggest city near Orlando that we had to make a priority. Nobody had a real strong foothold on that city. And we could go in there and get guys. He goes, when I'm at Nebraska now, the city to me that is our new Miami is St. Louis. And he said we have to make it an emphasis. And, God, I mean, we I think people are probably tired of <laughs> hearing you and I talk about the importance of St. Louis. But it, it is far and away the best city within the 500 miles of Lincoln. Um, there's far and away the most four-star, potential five-star guys in St. Louis. This new staff has learned that pretty quickly. They have gone in there kind of with a almost a multi-staff approach. You've got Troy Walters, Travis Fisher, Greg Austin, and then Kenny Wilhite is kind of a brain trust for St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, they've really tried to make it a priority, and I thought it was interesting to hear Fisher say uh, St. Louis is our new Miami.
2: Yeah, that that is very interesting to hear him say that, and I think it's it's a wise move on Nebraska's part. I mean, this, cause like you said, we've been talking about this. We've kind of been beating this drum. It's a no-brainer. Yeah, for a long time. You've got Illinois that's down. You've got Missouri that's down. Um, and I mean, both those schools legitimately could be going through another coaching change. And everybody else just cherry picks it. Yeah, and everyone else cherry picks it. So, I mean, it's open. If you do it, just like we've been talking about, the consistency. If you go down there and make your presence felt and recruit it consistently from start to finish every year or or making the rounds, regardless of who has players now, um, I I think that Nebraska can pull guys out of St. Louis. And, um, you know, and and they've kind of – you know, over the past I don't know five years or so, I think that they've they've kind of tried or, or had had plans on recruiting that area, well, but just hasn't. Nothing has really kind of come to fruition there, and and so to hear Travis Fisher say that, I think is refreshing, and you know we'll see what happens. But I'll tell you this much: based off what I saw when when I was at the St. Louis Satellite Camp, um, Fisher and Walters are, are definitely creating those relationships i saw an awful lot of coaches go up to those guys um they were there was a lot of conversations being had there uh with with some prominent people in the st louis high school football uh arena so i i think they're they're doing it the they've right been able way. to break the ice <laughs> they've been able to break that ice they're doing it the right way and you know, it, it, it may or may not happen this year, but uh, I, I'm telling you, if they stick with it, that can be a fruitful area for the Huskers.
1: Now, Nebraska had their individual camps, made in Lincoln. Uh, roughly 250 prospects took part in the two events, so not huge numbers. Uh, they were day camps, like noon to four, same day as Atlanta and Miami, um, but I think the two stories that came out of the camps, Tyler Van Dyke, um, a quarterback out of uh, Connecticut. He's a 2020, he's a four-star. No Nebraska offer yet. Do I, do I understand that correctly? Not
2: yet, but it seems like he's he could be very close to getting one.
1: And he did really well. Then Xavier Betts from Bellevue West um, talked briefly to Mike Huffman, the coach of Bellevue West, and he said Barrett Rood and, and even uh, Jalen Bradley, um, the current Nebraska running back from Bellevue West, uh, said Bets blew away everybody with his performance. So those are probably the two main stories that came out of camp in Lincoln. Um, Miko Masoner was there. I'd be I'd be curious to know what he ran. Caden yeah. uh, McCormick was there as well uh, from Lincoln Southwest. So you know, not 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 the star power you're going to see at Friday Night Lights, but still enough to chew on here the last two days in Lincoln as well.
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, you know, the Van Dyke kid, the the quarterback from Connecticut. It's not every day you, you hear about a four-star quarterback from Connecticut visiting Nebraska or camping at Nebraska. Uh, but I guess there's some there's – That's got
1: to be Verducci.
2: Well, there's a connection, too. I guess his father does business in Omaha uh so insurance,
1: well, Connecticut's a big insurance area. Like it's, it's like one of the insurance capitals of the world. So it wouldn't be surprising if it's tied somehow into Omaha.
2: Yeah. So, so that's, I guess that's part of the connection there. And he is a dual threat guy. I know he's listed by rivals as a pro style quarterback, but he ran a four, six forty at the camp. And, um, uh, you know, I mean, he's a very intriguing prospect. He's a, he's a, listed as a top 100 recruit for 2020 right now, uh, which is the state of Connecticut doesn't crank out a ton of those guys on a yearly basis. Oh boy,
1: Mike Farrell lives in Connecticut, so we've got a little bit of a, an advantage having – the number one rivals guy um right inside Connecticut. Yeah, exactly. And and then with Xavier Betts,
2: I mean, that does not surprise me in the least bit to <laughs> to hear that that he went out and just dominated. I mean, he is he's a legitimate top one hundred.
1: Josh Helmelt told player. us in Chicago he's a potential five star guy. Yeah. I mean, he said there's two players in the in the Midlands region that we're in that could be five star receivers and he was one of them.
2: Yeah, and the other one's from St. Louis. So I mean this is uh uh, it's it's nice to have one of those no-brainer type of kids right in your own backyard if you're in Nebraska because it doesn't always happen or, or when it you know when it does happen it's it's um, you know there's not a, just a ton of those guys all the time you've had Cameron Jurgens I guess through the past couple years uh, but I think Xavier Betts could could definitely be that guy for 2020 and um, you know it would be interesting to see how his recruitment continues from here but there's no doubt he is he's a legitimate high caliber prospect
1: well, we're going to uh, get back to, to Lincoln as we wrap things up in Florida but uh, next week Nebraska's coaches will be on speaking tours all throughout the beginning of the week um, and then on Friday they will have their first Friday night lights camp in Lincoln and a seven on seven camp as well so Uh, There'll be plenty of things over the next seven days going on, um, not only in Lincoln across the entire state. But uh, that wraps it up here as we sign off in Fort Lauderdale. Thanks for joining us here on another edition of the Husker Online Show.
0: Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska
4: athletics.